0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. So last week, Pastor Jane gave us a wonderful illustration as our commitment. Here at New Life, we have a commitment that we want to go out and live at the the end of the message It's given to go out and live the following week. And, And the commitment said this. I will take off my old sinful nature and live a life that pleases God this week. And that's a wonderful image, the image of taking off our old clothes and putting on some new clothes. And she got that image from Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, which that was the passage we read. And actually, it's verses 8 and 9 where it says this. But now is the time. To get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have, here it is, stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. So this robe symbolizes my old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. And so what Paul tells us is we're supposed to strip it off and let it be aside. Never to be used again. Now, wouldn't it be awesome if it was that simple? It is that simple. Because that's what Paul said. He wouldn't say that we are supposed to strip off the old sinful nature if it wasn't possible for that to happen. What he was telling us is it's that simple. Not that easy, but that simple. And then he actually said something else. It's really, really incredible. He said this, for you died to this life. That's the sinful life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So we have a new life. That's what Paul is talking about here. And and we not only strip off the old sinful nature and the old wicked deeds, but we actually have our old life crucified. When Jesus died on the cross, our old life died with him. And that's what Paul teaches, not only in Colossians, but in Romans and, and, and Galatians and every book he wrote. And actually, it's what Jesus talked about. It's sort of central teaching in the entire word of God. And for the last 2,000 years, here's what Christians have struggled with. And it's going to be up on the screen. It says, because of Jesus' death on the cross and our belief in him, we are dead to sin and alive to all that's good. It's, we've struggled with how does that actually look in everyday life? And, and there's been, as I said a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching, there have been those who followed uh, the way of legalism. They've said, well, okay, we strip off this old nature, but when, when we do it, we have to really keep following the rules because if we don't follow the rules, we're not going to live a new life. And then there have been others who have said, well, wait a minute. You mean we're going to strip off this old sinful nature? It's not, not possible. We really can't. It's like going to cling to us for the rest of our lives. And so Jesus died on the cross to take away our sins, so he takes away our sins, but we keep sinning, and he keeps forgiving us, and it's sort of this thing back and forth. We keep sinning, he keeps forgiving. We keep sinning, he keeps forgiving, and that's, and we don't ever really take it off. Well, that's certainly not what Paul wrote. It's certainly not what God intends for our lives. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what it looks like to take off the old sinful nature with all its wicked deeds and put on something else because after we take off the old we don't want to be sitting around in our underwear right I mean I don't I mean and you probably don't some of you are a little uncomfortable Why is the pastor sitting there with a t-shirt on he ought to have some other clothes on well you, you don't worry I will okay so anyway the thing is Back in the very first message of this series, and for those of you who are first-time guests, we're in the middle of a series. It's nine weeks into a 14-week series, so we're too, you know over halfway done. And on the first week, we read all four chapters of a book of the Bible called Colossians. And when we read it, one of the things I said was, in the original letter, there were no chapter divisions, no verse divisions, because that was added later to make it easier for us to look things up if we want to. But when you write a letter, you probably don't divide it into chapters and verses, same way with Paul. So when Pastor Jane preached the first 11 verses of chapter 3 last week, the passage didn't end there. We just stopped there. It was a practical place to stop because we have time constraints. And so today we're going to pick up and finish. You know, Paul left us sort of unclothed. We, we had the old stripped off, but we don't have what are we supposed to put on. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And here's the take-home point. For those of you who are new, we seek to make one point from the Word of God every week. That you'll take home, I'll take home, and we'll live it out in the week ahead. And so here it is. God chose us, clothes us, good thing, and fills us. So God chose us, God clothes us, and God fills us. And when we read Colossians three twelve to 17, which is what we're going to read today, we're going to see once again that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus, that's what the the name of the series is, because Jesus actually puts the new clothes on for us. So it's Jesus plus nothing, once again, equals everything. Well, before we turn to the word of God, let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for sending Jesus to clothe us with a new life and many new characteristics. We thank you that he died on the cross to strip off our old life and its wicked deeds and, and really to to make us dead to that life and give us an opportunity for something new, radically new. And today, as we read your word, God, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will teach us one thing that we can go out that will help us to understand better that you have chosen us, that you're the one who clothes us, and that when you fill us, life is never the same again. I ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your books, and and we gave these books out at the beginning, and I just was told today we don't have any more. We had 600, and they're all gone. So uh, if you don't have one, you'll have to open up your Bible to Colossians 3, 12 to 17. But if you have your booklet, it's on page 22. You'll find the text, and we're going to start reading from verse 12. And I'm going to take it a little bit at a time and talk about each verse pretty much as we go. So it says, Paul writes, "...since God chose you to be the holy people He loves." you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy. Here's what we're going to put on. Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So, since God chose us to be a holy people, we're supposed to put on something else. And in the original Greek text, uh, the words chosen one of God literally is the word eklektos. And you can almost hear the word elected. God chose or elected us. He voted for us. I mean, isn't that a pretty cool thing to think about? In the election, God chose you. (laughs) God elected you. He elected me. We've been elected by God to be what? Holy people. Holy people means set apart by God for his purposes. And then it says we were loved. We had been loved. Well, wait, wait a minute. How did God elect us? The answer is very simple. He came in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. Well, a baby, Jesus Christ. He was a little baby. He grew up and he lived a perfect life. And in that perfect life, he, he did something that none of us could do. He satisfied God's justice because God requires that our sins are paid for and the penalty is death. And so Jesus lived a perfect life and then he died on the cross of Calvary to pay the penalty for our sin, for our death. And that, that's why we could die to our old life and, and we can have a new life. And, and that's what Jesus did. He voted for us. By exchanging his life for ours. And, and it does say, having been loved, which means it's past tense. God loved us before we even knew it. In fact, I like to think of it this way. Before you woke up this morning, God loved you. Before I, actually, before I went to bed last night, God loved me. God loved us before we were born. God loved us before he created the universe. And, and Paul said it this way to the Roman church. When he wrote to the Romans, chapter 5, verse 8, it says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God didn't choose us because we're special. He didn't choose us because we do good things. He didn't choose us because we're Americans. He didn't choose us because we're Cambodians. He chose us because He loves us. Before we did anything, he loved us, and he still loves us, and nothing we can ever do is going to make him love us less, and nothing we can ever do is going to make him love us more. He just loves us, period. And and the thing is, all through the New Testament, in the life of Jesus, and in all the writings of Paul, and Peter, and James, and all the other writers of the New Testament, they keep saying, God loves us, God loves us, God loves us. Why? I mean, Jesus, what did Jesus say? God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Why does the New Testament keep telling us over and over and over, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you? Because we don't believe it. We don't believe that God loves us. We don't believe there's anything free in this life. I mean, hey, your free hat on pirate night, it's not free, you paid for it. There's no free lunch, right? Nobody gives you something for nothing, and so we don't believe it when we read God loves you, period, We go, wait a minute, there's got to be a comma. There's got to be something else. There's got to be something that we have to do to earn it. But there isn't. And something very important, a guy that lived back in the 1900s, in fact, in the 1930s, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. His name's Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And in his book, he wrote this statement. He said, God's grace is free, but it's not cheap. God's grace grace and his love, it's free. We don't do anything to earn it. But it costs Jesus everything. It costs Jesus being beaten and crucified for us. And, And so when we, as followers of Jesus, say, well, you know, Jesus died to take away my old life, but hey, it's sort of hard to get rid of, so I just think I'll hold on to it. I'll keep on sinning, and he'll keep on forgiving me. And what a great deal, right? Well, that's cheap grace when we keep on sinning. But what we don't realize is... That when we say that we've received the grace of Jesus Christ and then we try to earn it through legalism, it's the same thing. You see, when we work really, really hard to show God that we're worthy of his dying on the cross for us, what we're saying is, I'm not accepting your gift, God. I'm going to pay for it. And when somebody pays for something, is it a gift? No. So cheap grace is certainly when we keep on sinning over and over and over and over again because Jesus died for us. But it's also cheapening grace when we try to do something to impress God so we'll be worthy of the gift. No one's worthy of the gift. And certainly we don't want to live in legalism or license, as I said a couple weeks ago. We want to live in liberty. So the second half of verse 12 says this. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And so this shirt represents tender-hearted mercy, which means compassion, humility. What's the other one? Some gentleness, maybe, and some patience. Oh, kindness. So I put on the new, I clothe myself, right, with this new thing. It's not like the old thing, which was sin, it's not like the old thing, which was death. It's totally new. And God gives it to me in Jesus Christ. And God gives it to you in Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is talking about. And, and so um, the thing is, when we put on this new life, it comes equipped with these good things. tender-hearted mercy and gentleness and kindness and humility and patience. And the thing is, sometimes uh, it's so sad, but sometimes we think that we have to work our way To being kind and patient. And the legalism comes once again into play. And what happens when the legalism comes once again into play is sometimes we succeed. And so for maybe 20 minutes we're humble. And so we stand up and say, look at me, I'm so humble. Oh, I guess that doesn't work, does it? So we just failed again. When we say we're humble, we're obviously not. And, And so the problem that we face is. Or I should say the challenge that we face is actually just receiving the new shirt as a gift because that's what it is. And we put it on and we start to live that new life. And and the thing is, we don't want to live in legalism, nor do we want to live in license where we say, Well, I'm just going to keep on sinning because God likes to forgive and I like to sin. Is it such a deal? Now, the verb to put on or clothe yourselves in the Greek. Now, this is this when it says, you know, take off, put on. It's an aorist imperative what does that mean how many times you take off the old life once it's not I take it off today and I put it back on tomorrow and I take it off tomorrow and then I put it on the next day and I take it off I take it off once and it's done over with how many times do most people die once physically right unless Jesus is around then they tend to come back again but you know but the bottom line is most of us are going to die once we take off the old life once we put on the new shirt once. And then we start to live into this new life. Now the Bible teaches us that it's God who takes off Jesus and his death on the cross takes off the old life. It's Jesus who puts on the new life. So what do we do? And this is really crucial. If you've never seen this before, this is going to change the way you look at life for the rest of your life. If you already have experienced it, that's great. But the, the Bible teaches that a human being is made up of a body, a physical body or flesh and, and that's, you can see this. This is my body right here. Okay? Then we have a soul which we cannot see. And our soul is our mind in our will, in our emotions. And then we have a spirit. Now, the thing about the human spirit, because of sin, Adam and Eve's spirit was alive and vital. But because of sin, the human spirit has basically been dormant. And we live out of our bodies or we live out of our souls. In fact... As we think about the body and the soul, everybody here understands what I'm talking about. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you might say is, I don't want to get out of bed. That's not your spirit talking. That's your mind or your body. My body hurts, so I want to stay in bed. Or my mind says I didn't get enough sleep, so I have a reason to not get out of bed. But the spirit is dormant. It's not doing anything. And the spirit can only do one of two things. The spirit can be acted upon by an evil spirit. That's why in the Bible times, you know, you have Jesus casting demons out of people because an evil spirit comes into the spirit, and then we become even worse than we are by our nature as we live in the power of this evil spirit. And then what happens is either the spirit, the evil spirit, tells us what to do and we do it, or else God comes in. And when Jesus said in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, You have to be born again. He said something very, very powerful. He said, flesh gives birth to flesh. All of us in here are born of the flesh. We had a mom and a dad. All of us. Anybody in here not have a dad or a mom? See, we all do. We all have a mom or dad in the flesh. And, And then Jesus said, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And that's why he said we had to be born again. In fact, Nicodemus, he was confused. Nicodemus thought that he had to go back inside his mother's body and be born physically again. Jesus said, no, 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 no spiritually you have to be born spiritually and so what paul is talking about here today when he tells us to clothe us with ourselves with the new thing he's telling us this is a spiritual reality it's a new life a new reality that we all have to have and if we don't have that we we can never experience everything god intends in our lives and that's why christians have have such a, a focus, I guess is the right word. We have such a focus on what it means to start this new life and to live it over and over again in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, most of us don't want to do that. Even though it sounds great when I explain it this way, why wouldn't you want to have the Holy Spirit leading your life? Because when the Holy Spirit starts to lead your life and my life, our our souls and our bodies come under the direction of God. Well, why wouldn't we want to do that? Well, we don't want to do that because we've become accustomed to this old nature. We've become accustomed to being in control. You realize when we're wearing this old life, we think we're in control? Nothing's farther from the truth than that, but we think we're in control. We're making our own decisions because sin is fun until it isn't. <laughs> sin is fun. It's, it's, if, if sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. If sin felt like a root canal, we wouldn't sin. But the old life is very much fun. And we think that we're in control and we do what we want. And if I accept Jesus and get rid of this old sinful life, then I'm going to have to live what kind of a life? A boring, dull life. The devil is so smart. He has us so deceived. Deceived is a lie that sounds like the truth. And what we are, before Jesus Christ comes in and takes over us, I want you to think of this illustration. How many of you have ever heard of an invisible fence for a dog? Anybody? Everybody, right? And what does the invisible fence do? It makes a boundary and the dog thinks it's free, right? The dog runs around and everything's wonderful until what happens, it comes close to the fence and right a mild correction. Unless you're the dog, it probably doesn't feel much like a mild correction. But when we're living in sin. We can go all the way we want to, whatever we want to do, however we want to do it. It's fine until we get close to the border and we start to think about these kind of truths. And then the devil's like, no, 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 you don't want to do that. You don't, you don't want to live that life. It's a bad life. It's a boring life. It's a dull life. And so many people go, oh, okay, I, I guess I, I really don't want that life. And so they never receive it. And then Paul says, once we have that life, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Once we put on this new life, it really is a new life. And when somebody offends us, we we forgive them because that's not our nature. You know know the saying, I don't get mad, I get even. And if somebody went out of church last night and said, I don't get even, I get ahead. Whoa, now that's not from the Spirit that's what the flesh does. The flesh and the the soul, they don't get mad. They get even. But whenever the spirit is in control of our lives, what happens is we start to do what Jesus would do. When Jesus was being nailed to the cross, everybody knows what Jesus said as they were nailing the nails into his wrists. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, I had a big test of that this week because on Tuesday evening, I found out that somebody in this community said some really, really nasty things about new life. And some really nasty things about me and about my family. And even said that I'm not fit to be a pastor. And so right away, my soul went to work. My soul started to think of all the reasons why I am fit to be a pastor. My soul started to think of all the reasons why this person was wrong and I was right. But I knew what was happening. I knew that my spirit wasn't leading. My soul was. And so here's what I did. I prayed. I said, Holy Spirit, fill me. And I went to bed. It was late, so I went to bed. And I woke up the next morning, and as I do, I went out, you know, and I was walking and praying. And in my half hour of listening to God, I said, what do you have for me today, God? And immediately, God said to me, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Now, sometimes for a half an hour, I listen to God. He doesn't say anything. It's just I'm with him, and he's with me, and it's okay. We're just together. But immediately, he said, humble yourself. And so I... If the clothes fits, put it on, right? So humility. So I I started to say, well, what in the statement this man made is true? And and I I didn't really find much of anything that was true. And and so I started to look at Scripture in my mind, you know, and and as I humbled myself, I started to forgive the man. And I did forgive the man. And guess what happened in that moment? I was free. The day turned. I started off in the morning a little agitated, more than a little agitated, because my soul was still wanting to be in charge. But in that instant, the Holy Spirit freed me, and the rest of the day and the rest of the week. Now, did I forget what the guy said? No, I remember what he said. But it isn't binding me, because I'm not. In, my soul isn't in charge of me. The Holy Spirit's in charge of me. And, and I share that with you because when we actually have a new life, it actually changes us. And Paul goes on to say, above all. Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. He already told us to put on new clothes, but now he's saying, I think what he's saying is put on an overcoat. The overcoat is love. Love is the thing that, you know, everything, all that humility, that's good, patience, kindness, all that's good. But what's really, really, really amazing is love because God is love. Right? It says in the Bible, God is love. He doesn't just have love. He is love. So we're supposed to put on love. Truth in love is what we're supposed to put on in our lives. And and the thing is, love is the most important thing. And, And then Paul continues and he says this, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So Paul's on a roll here now. He says, put on the new clothes, put on the overcoat. And now once you have that, it's not just going to affect you. It's going to affect the whole church. And, and all of us together are going to live in peace and we're going to have gratitude. And, and you know what? I am really grateful to be part of New Life. I'm so glad that I'm part of a church where a, a young woman and a young man could come from half around the world in Cambodia and could come and be part of our family. And that's what happened, and Bunthorne has been living with Nancy and I now for a little more than a week, and I'll tell you what, I've been learning so much from him about gratitude. Last night, we were eating dinner, and we were having leftovers, and I had told Bunthorne that some Americans won't eat leftovers, they just throw them away. But you know, it wasn't bad leftovers, we were having um, pork tenderloin, and peas, you know, okay, and uh, tomatoes, and, uh, and some fresh blueberries that we had just picked, so those weren't leftovers. And and, and as we were eating, I said, Bunthorn, how many meals a day do you eat in Cambodia? And he said, two, lunch and dinner. And I said, oh, so why don't you eat breakfast? And he said, well, I only have $30 a month, and, and if I eat breakfast, it doesn't last for a month. So I can only eat two meals a day. And immediately I went, huh, I can eat however many meals I want to a day. And I went, wow, thank you, God. And then at the end of the first week, I happened to sit in at the end of the first week. There are four, uh, two from Mexico, two from Cambodia down at Southeast Asia Prayer Center. I was sitting there as they were recapping the week. And Pastor Matt Geppert said to Bun Thorne, you know, what's what is the most the the highlight of your your first week? And he said, well, I, I come to Pastor Chris and Nancy's house and they gave me my own room. And my own bathroom. He's never had those things. I'm so grateful and I'm so blessed. Now, if I came to stay at your house and you gave me my own room, I, I would be thankful, but, I mean, not that thankful. I, I have my own room. Most of us have our own room. And, and so I've been learning how everyday things that I can take for granted are, are not everyday things for most of the people in the world. And, I mean, I already knew that, but, I mean, when somebody's living with you, and, and I talked to him about this, I said, Bunthorn, can I share this? And he said, yes. You know, when somebody's living with you who, who is thankful... For every single thing, then that's really the church. (laughs) Because what we're told is we're supposed to be thankful. And and, and then Paul, he starts to to close up the section by saying this. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. You see, when our lives are filled with the Holy Spirit, what starts to happen is we get filled up with what? The Word of God. And when we read the Word of God, it's no longer something we check off our list and say, I read the Bible today, but it's the Word of God. And it fills up our hearts and it changes our lives. And the wisdom of God starts to work in our lives. And what is wisdom? It's knowledge that's put into action. And so we start to see things differently. We start to live differently. We start to know what it is to be blessed. And we start to know what it is to make allowances for other people's faults. And maybe you're sitting here today and you say, I don't have that shirt. I don't have humility in my life or kindness or patience or tenderhearted mercy. I I, I don't have those things. I don't have love in my life. When somebody hurts me, I just want to hurt them back. Well, Jesus offers the new clothes, the new life. And he offers to open up your spirit and and let your spirit be filled with him and his spirit. And, And if you've never experienced that, I would encourage you right now to simply say, Jesus, I have not ever let anybody be in control of my life and and I want you to be in control I want to have these things I want to have the the new life and the love that that only you can give and the ability to forgive people when they say mean things and hurtful things about me and I want to be grateful for everything that you've given and and if you do that right now just say Jesus take over I I'm, I'm taking off the old and I'm letting you crucify it to the cross just like you were crucified physically and I'm going to put on the new. He'll do that. It's just like this. Just in an instant it happens. But then it takes the rest of our lives to grow into these new clothes. And to live the new life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the last thing that Paul says in today's verses, verse 17. It's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. It's, it's my life verse, which means it's the verse that I look to. I pretty much say it every day. And and we're going to read it in the New Living Translation because that's the translation we usually use. It says, Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. But I prefer the NIV, which just says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And and the thing about that is, it says do three times. I don't know if you know me very well. If you do, you know I'm a doer. I like to do stuff. I I don't like to sit around doing nothing. And, And so, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And and when you think about that, what does it mean to do all things in the name of Jesus? Well, first of all, it means to do it with the heart of Jesus, which would be the love of Jesus. It means to do it in the spirit of Jesus, which would mean in the power of Jesus. And what it could never mean is that we would do the things that Jesus would not do. Because we can't do the things that Jesus would not do in his name. And so it means our lives, That old life stays on the ground. And the new life, more and more and more, starts to reflect Jesus. Paul could say at the end of his life, it is no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. And that's what happens more and more and more. And notice what it says, giving thanks. Once again, gratitude comes up. And you've probably been wondering, why is this scarf hanging here? This scarf is gratitude. Everything is wrapped up in our lives as followers of Jesus with gratitude. Because once we know that we were dead in sin, and we know that Jesus killed that sin and gave us a new life, we say thank you. And once we realize all the blessings we've received in our lives, we say thank you. And once we start to have genuine humility and gentleness and kindness and all those things, we say thank you once again. And so gratitude sort of ties everything together in our lives. And so here's today's commitment. I will wear Jesus in my life this week. Now, of course, what that means is that we will let Jesus dress us this week. And we will let him and his love reign in our lives. And the world needs his truth and love so desperately. What it means is we'll take this old sinful nature and we'll put it where it belongs. At the foot of the cross. It doesn't mean that we're going to live in legalism this week because we can't clothe ourselves with anything of value. And it certainly doesn't mean we're going to do whatever we want to this week because God is never glorified by our disobedience. What it means is we're going to love one another and we're going to forgive one another because I guarantee you sometime today, somebody's going to offend you. (laughs) Sometime this week, somebody's going to say something that you don't like. Somebody's going to offend me and say something that I don't like. And when that happens, what I know is in this clothing, the clothing of Jesus, I can make allowances for that. I can forgive that. And I can remember something. That it doesn't matter what anybody says about me. It doesn't matter what anybody says about you. Because Jesus chose you. Jesus elected you. When somebody does something or says something against you this week, just remember this. God has your picture on his refrigerator. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much. I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you sent Jesus to show us a life that's the true life, the real life. And God, I pray that as we go out today into a world that so desperately needs your love and your truth, that you will let us wear love as our overcoat and all those traits of your spirit as our clothing this week. God, I pray that in our lives, we will be Jesus to others so that you may be glorified and receive all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.